16, has formed the meshes of the net which has caught here and there stray or apparently related facts from which the Idril constructs much of his belief in spirit life. The immediate surroundings of every Idril group is the home of the ANI2 of departed members of the group, though they do not usually live in the Pueblo itself. Their dwellings, cementers, pigs, chickens, and carabados in fact, all the possessions the living head are scattered about in spirit form, in the neighboring mountains, they're the great hosts of the ANI to live, and there they reproduce, in spirit form, the life of the living, they construct and live in dwellings, build and cultivate cementers, marry, and even their children, and eventually, some of them, at least, die or change their forms again, the Idro do not say how long an ANI to lives, and they have not tried to answer the question of the final disposition of NI2. But in various ceremonials NI2 of several generations of ancestors are invited to the family feast. So the Idro does not believe that the ANI2 ceases, as an ANI2, in what would be the lifetime of a person. When an ANI2 dies or changes its form it may become a snake and the Idro never kills a snake. Except if it bothers about his dwelling, or it may become a rock there is one such a NI2 rock on the mountain horizon north of Bantuk, but the most common form for a data NI2 to take is Letha, the phosphorescent glow in the dead wood of the mountains. Why or how these various changes occur the Idro does not understand. In many respects the dreamer has seen the ANI2 world in great detail. He has seen that NI2 are rich or poor, old or young, as were the persons at death, and yet there is progression, such as birth marriage, old age, and death. Each man seems to know in what part of the mountains his ANI2 will dwell, because some one of his ancestors is known to inhabit a particular place, and where one ancestor is there the children go to be with him. This does not refer to desirability of location, but simply to physical location as in the mountain north of Bantuk, or in one to the east or south, as was stated in a previous chapter, with the one exception of toothache, all injuries diseases, and deaths are caused directly by a NI2. In certain ceremonies the ancestral NI2 are urged to care for living descendants, to protect them from NI2 that seek to harm and children are named after their dead ancestors, so they may be known and receive protection. In the Pueblo, the cementers, and the mountains one knows he is always surrounded by a NI2. They are ever ready to trip one up to push him off the high stone cement or dikes or to visit him with disease. When one walks alone in the mountain trail he is often aware that an ANI2 walks close beside him, he feels his hair creeping on his scalp, he says, and thus he knows of the ANI2's presence. The Idril has a particular kind of spear, the Sinologan, having two or more pairs of barbs, of which the ANI2 is afraid, so when a man goes alone in the mountains with the Sinologan he is safer from NI2 than he is with any other spear. The Idro does not say that the entire spirit world, except his relatives, is against him. And he does not blame the spirits for the evils they inflict on him it is the way things are but he acts as though all are his enemies. And he often entreats them to visit their destruction on other pueblos. It is safe to say that one feast is held daily in Bantak by some family to appease or win the goodwill of some NI2. At death the spirit of a beheaded person, the Pintang, goes above to Chaya, the sky. The old men are very emphatic in this belief. They always point to the surrounding mountains as the home of the ANI2. But straight above to Chaya, the sky, as the home of the spirit of the beheaded, the old men say the Pintang has a head of flames, 
There in the sky the Pintan repeat the life of those living in the Pueblo. They till the soil and they marry. But the society is exclusive there are none there except those who lost their heads to the enemy. The Pintan is responsible for the death of every person who loses his head. He puts murder in the minds of all men who are to be successful in taking heads. He also sees the outrages of warfare. And visits vengeance on those who kill babes and small children. In his relations with the unseen spirit world the Igaro has certain visible, material friends that assist him by warnings of good and evil. When a chicken is killed its skull is examined, and, if found to be dark colored, all is well, if it is light. He is warned of some pending evil in spirit form. Snakes, rats, crows, falling stones, crumbling earth, and the small reddish-brown omen bird. I chew. All warn the Igaro of pending evil. Exorcists since the Anito is the cause of all bodily afflictions the chief function of the person who battles for the health of the afflicted is that of the exorcist, rather than that of the therapeutist. Many old men and women, known as in Alaska, are considered more or less successful in urging the offending Anito to leave the sick. Their formula is simple. They place themselves near the afflicted part, usually with the hand stroking it, or at least touching it, and say, Anito who makes this person sick, go away, this they repeat over and over again, mumbling low, and frequently exhaling the breath to assist the departure of the Anito just as, they say, one blows away the dust, but the exhalation is an open-mouthed out-breathing, and not a forceful blowing, one of our houseboys came home from a trip to a neighboring Pueblo with a bad stone bruise for which an Anito was responsible, for four days he faithfully submitted to flaxseed poultices, but on the fifth day we found a woman in Alaska at her professional task in the kitchen. She held the sore foot in her lap, and stroked it, she murmured to the Anito to go away, she bent low over the foot, and about a dozen times she well feigned vomiting, and each time she spat out a large amount of saliva. At no time could purposeful exhalations be detected, and no explanation of her feigned vomiting could be gained. It is not improbable that when she bent over the foot she was supposed to be inhaling or swallowing the Anita which she later sought to cast from her. In half an hour she succeeded in removing the offender, but the foot was sick for four days longer, or until the deep-seated bruise discharged through a scalpel opening. The woman unquestionably succeeded in relieving the boy's mind. When a person is ill at his home he sends for an in Alaska, who receives for a professional visit to Manojos of Polly or two-fifths of a laborer's daily wage, in Alaska are not appointed or otherwise created by the people, as are most of the public servants, they are notified in a dream that they are to be in Alaska. as compared with the medicine man of some primitive peoples the in Alaska is a beneficial force to the sick, the methods are all quiet and gentle, there is none of the hubbub or noise found in the Indian lodge the body is not exhausted, the mind distracted, or the nerves racked. In a positive way the sufferer's mind receives comfort and relief when the Anito is removed, and in most cases probably temporary, often permanent. Physical relief results from the stroking and rubbing. The man or woman of each household acts as mediator between any sick member of the family and the offending Anito. There are several of these household ceremonials performed to benefit the afflicted. If one was taken ill or was injured at any particular place in the mountains near the Pueblo, the one in charge of the ceremony goes to that place with a live chicken in a basket, a small amount of basi a native fermented drink, and usually a little rice, and, pointing with a stick in various directions, 
says the W-H-I-W-A-N-O-R-I-U-C-S-I-A-F-I-X ceremony the ceremony of calling the soul. It is as follows, Ali-K-A-A-B-A-F-I-A-B-A-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-N-G-L-O-
In the beginning of all things Lutetium Mawig head apart, Beidro does not know how or why it is so, but he says that Lutetium Mawig gave the earth with all its characteristics, the water in its various manifestations, the people, all animals, and all vegetation. Today he is the force in all these things, as he always has been. Once, in the early days, the lower lands about Bontoc were covered with water. Lutetium Mawig saw two young people on top of Mount Polkis, north of Bontoc. They were Fatanga and his sister Fugan. They were without fire, as all the fires of Bontoc were put out by the water. Lutetium Mawig told them to wait while he went quickly to Mount Kalowi-10, south of Bontoc, for fire. When he returned Fugan was heavy with child. Lutetium Mawig left them, going above as a bird flies. Soon the child was born. The water subsided in Bontoc Pueblo, and Fatanga with his sister and her babe returned to the Pueblo. Children came to the household rapidly and in great numbers. Generation followed generation, and the people increased wonderfully. After a time Lutetium Mawig decided to come to help and teach the Idro. He first stopped on Kalowi-10 Mountain, and from there looked over the young women of Sabangan, searching for a desirable wife. But he was not pleased with the girls of Sabangan because they had short hair. He next visited Alok, but the young women of that Pueblo were sickly, so he came on to Tulubin. There the marriageable girls were afflicted with goiter. He next stopped at Bontoc, where he saw two young women, sisters, in a garden. Lutetium Mawib came to them and sat down. Presently he asked why they did not go to the house. They answered that they must work, they were gathering beans. Lutetium Mawig was pleased with this, so he picked one bean of each variety, tossed them into the baskets when presently the baskets were filled to the rim. He married Fugan, the younger of the two industrious sisters, and namesake of the mother of the people of Bontoc. After marriage he lived at Jao W.I., in the present auto of Sajikin, near the center of Bontoc Pueblo. The large, flat stones which were once part of Lutetium Mawig's dwelling are still lying in position and are shown in place C-L-I-I-I. Lutetium Mawig at times exhibited his marvelous powers. They say he could take a small chicken, feed it a few grains of rice, and in an hour it would be full grown. He could fill a basket with rice in a very few moments, simply by putting in a handful of kernels. He could cut a stick of wood in the mountains, and with one hand toss it to his dwelling in the Pueblo. Once went out in Ishil Mountains northeast of Bontoc, Fatangay the brother-in-law of Lutetium Mawig, said to him, Oh, you of no value, here we are without water to drink, why do you not give us water? Lutetium Mawig said nothing, but he turned and thrust his spear in the side of the mountain, as he withdrew the weapon a small stream of water issued from the opening, Fatanga started to drink, but Lutetium Mawig said, Wait, the others first, you last, when it came Fatanga's turn to drink. Lutetium Mawib put his hand on him as he drank and pushed him solidly into the mountain. He became a rock, and the water passed through him. Several of the old men of Bontoc have seen this rock, now broken by others fallen on it from above, but the stream of water still flows on the thirsty mountain, in an isolated garden, called Phil Lang, now in Kong. Lutetium Mawib taught Bontoc how best to plant, cultivate, and garner her various agricultural products. Phil Lang today is a unique little cementera. It is the only garden spot within the Pueblo containing water. The Pueblo is so situated that irrigating water cannot be run into it. 
but throughout the dry season of 1903 the driest four years in Bantop there was water in at least a fourth of this little garden. There is evidently a very small, but perpetual spring within the plat. Taro now occupies the garden and is weeded and gathered by Noah, an old man chosen by the old men of the Pueblo for this office. Noah maintains and the Igra believe that the vegetable springs up without planting as the watering of Phil Lang is through the special dispensation of Lutetium Mawig, so the taro left by him in his garden school received from him a peculiar lease of life it is perpetual. The people claim that all other taro beds must be planted annually. Lutetium Mawig showed the people how to build the Thali and Pabafunan, and with his help those of Loingon and Seapot were constructed. He also told them their purposes and uses. He gave the people names for many of the things about them, he also gave the Pueblo its name. He gave them advice regarding conduct a crude code of ethics. He told them not to lie, because good men do not care to associate with liars. He said they should not steal, but all people should take care to live good and honest lives. A man should have only one wife, if he had more, his life would soon be required of him. The home should be kept pure, the adulterer should not violate it, all should be as brothers, as has been previously said. The people of Bantok claim that they did not go to war or kill before Lutetium Mawid came. They say no Idru ever divorced a wife who bore him a child. Yet they accuse Lutetium Mawid of such conduct. But apparently seek to excuse the act by saying that at the time he was partially insane. Fugan, Lutetium Mawid's wife, bore him several children. One day she spoke very disrespectfully to him. This change of attitude on her part somewhat unbalanced him and he put her with two of her little boys in a large coffin, and set them afloat on the river. He securely fastened the cover of the coffin, and on either end tied a dog and a cock. The coffin floated downstream and observed as far as Tin Lane. There the barking of the dog and the crowing of the cock attracted the attention of a man who rushed out into the river with his axe to secure such a fine lot of pitch pine wood. When he struck his axe in the wood a voice called from within, Don't do that, I am here. Then the man opened the coffin and saw the woman and children. The man said his wife was dead, and the woman asked whether he wanted her for a wife. He said he did, so she became his wife. After a time the children wanted to return to Bantok to see their father. Before they started their mother instructed them to follow the main river. But when they arrived at the mouth of a tributary stream they became confused, and followed the river leading them to Kenyu. There they asked for their father. But the people killed them and cut them up. Presently they were alive again, and larger than before. They killed them again and again. After they had come to life seven times they were full-grown men, but the eighth time Kenya killed them they remained dead. Bantak went for their bodies, and told Kenya that, because they killed the children of Lutetium Mawig, their children would always be dying and today Bantak points to the fewness of the houses which make up Kenya. The bodies were buried close to Bantok on the west and northwest, scarcely were they interred when trees began to grow upon and about the graves they were the transformed bodies of Lutetium Mawig's children. The Idro never cut trees in the two small groves nearby the Pueblo, but once a year they gather the fallen branches. They say that a Spaniard once started to cut one of the trees, but he had struck only a few blows when he was suddenly taken sick. His bowels bloated and swelled and he died in a few minutes. These two groves are called Papate and Papate Adisokok. The latter one shown in place Cialibi. Each is said to be a man. But among some of the old men the one farthest to the north is now said to be a woman. 
The reason they assign for now calling one a woman is because it is situated lower down on the mountain than the other. They are held sacred, and the monthly religious ceremonial of Padani is observed beneath their trees. It seems that Lutetia Mawig soon became irritated and jealous, because Hugon was the wife of another man, and he sent word forbidding her to leave her house. About this time the warriors of Timlayan returned from a head-hunting expedition. When Fugan heard their gongs and knew all the Puebla was dancing, she danced alone in the house. Soon those outside felt the ground trembling. They looked and saw that the house where Fugan lived was trembling and swaying. The women hastened to unfortunate Fugan and brought her out of the house. However, in coming out she had disobeyed Lutetia Mawig, and shortly she died. Lutetia Mawig's work was ended. He took three of his children with him to Mount Polkis, on the northern horizon of Bontoc, and from there the four passed above into the sky as birds fly. His two other children wished to accompany him, but he denied them the request, and so they left Bontoc and journeyed westward to Lakoilakos provinces because, they said, if they remained, they would die. What became of these two children is not known, neither is it known whether those who went above are alive now. But Lutetia Mawig is still alive in the sky and is still the friendly god of the Idro, and is the force in all the things with which he originally had to do. Throughout the Bantok culture area Lutetia Mawig is the one and only god of the people. Many said that he lived in Bantok, and, so far as known, they hold the main facts of the belief in him substantially as do the people of his own Pueblo. Changers in religion in the western Pueblos of Alop, Palili, Tmugan, Takong and Sagada there has been spreading for the past two years a changing faith. The people allying themselves with the new faith call themselves Supalodu, and those who speak Spanish say they are Guardia de Honor. The Supalodu continue to eat meat, but wash and cleanse it thoroughly before cooking. They are said also not to hold any of the ceremonials associated with the old faith. They keep a white flag flying from a pole near their dwelling, or at least one such flag in the section of the Pueblo in which they reside. They also believe that Lutetia Mawig will return to them in the near future. A Tengian man of the Pueblo of Peyao, Lepinto, a short journey from Agua, in Bantuk, is said to be the leading spirit in this faith of the Guardia de Honor. It is believed to be a movement taking its rise from the restless Roman Catholic Ilocano of the coast. In Bantuk Pueblo the thought of the return of Lutetia Mawig is laughed at. The people say that if Lutetia Mawig was to return they would know of it. However, Two families in Bontoc, one that of Finomdi, the tattooer, and the other that of Kayan, a neighbor of Finomdi, have a touch of a changing faith. They are known in Bontoc as Olat. I was not able to trace any connection between the Olat and the Supalodu, though I presume there is some connection, but I learned it of the Olat only during the last few days of my stay in Bontoc. The Olat are said not to eat meat, not to kill chickens, not to smoke and not to perform any of the old ceremonies. However, I do not believe they were in fact the Supalodu neglect all ceremonials, because such a turning from a direct, positive, and very active religious life to one of total neglect of the old religious ceremonials would seem to be impossible for an otherwise normal Idro. Priesthood that the belief in spirits is the basis of Idro religion is shown in the fact that each person or each household has the necessary power and knowledge to intercede with the Anito. No class of persons has been differentiated for this function, excepting the limited one of the dream appointed in Supak or Anito exorcists. 
that belief in a supreme being is a later development than the belief in spirits is clear when the fact is known that a differentiated class of persons has arisen whose duty it is to intercede with Lumawig for the people as a whole. This religious intercessor has few of the earmarks of a priest. He teaches no morals or ethics, no idea of future rewards or punishments, and he is not an idle, non-productive member of the group. He usually receives for the consumption of his family the food employed in the ceremonies to Lumawig, but this would not sustain the family one week in the 52. The term priesthood is applied to these people for lack of a better one, and because its use is sufficiently accurate to serve the present purpose. There are three classes of persons who stand between the people and Lumawig, and today all hold in hereditary office. The first class is called Wakku, of which there are three men, namely, Thudkuso, Avato Somawan, Thangu Wa, Avato Loengon, and Choyug, Avato Sajikin. The function of these men is to decide and announce the time of all rest days and ceremonials for the Pueblo. These Wakku inform the old men of each auto and they in turn announce the days to the auto. The small boys, however, are the true criers. They make more noise in the evening before the rest day. Crying Teneo. Why? Teneo. Rest day. Hurrah. Rest day. Then I have heard from the Pueblo at any other time. The title of the second class of intercessors is Pate, of whom there are two in Bantacablo San, Avato Somawan, and Ethiug, Avato Longfoli. The Pate illustrate the nature of the titles borne by all the intercessors. The title is the same as the name of the ceremony or one of the ceremonies which the person performs. Once every new moon each Pate performs the Pate ceremony in the sacred grove near the Pueblo. This ceremony is for the general well-being of the Pueblo. The third class of intercessors has duties of a twofold nature. One is to allay the rain and wine storms, called Bobbios, and to drive away the cold and the other is to petition for conditions favorable to crops. There are seven of these men, and each has a distinct title. All are apparently of equal importance to the group. Li Yod, of Otto Loengon, whose title is Kaelod, has charge of the Kaelod ceremony held once or twice each year to allay the Bobbios, and Wei, of Otto Somawan, whose title is Kainam W.I., presides over the Kainam W.I. ceremony to drive away the cold and fog. This ceremony usually occurs once or twice each year in January, February, or March. He also serves once each year in the Fakil ceremony for rain. Chamlangan, of Autophilic, has the title Pochang, and he has one annual ceremony for large poly. A fifth intercessor is Samkab, of Auto Seapot, his title is Suwat. He performs two ceremonies annually one, the Suwat, for poly fruitage, and the other a Fakil for rains. Angayud, Avado Fatayan, is known by the title of K.N. He has two ceremonies annually, one K.N. and the other Tato loved, both are to drive the birds and rats from the fruiting poly. Samkab, Avado Sajikin, with the title O.K.A.D., has charge of three ceremonies annually, one is O.K.A.D., for the growth of beans, another is Lost Cob, for abundant commodes, and the third is Fog Hill, the ceremony for rain. There are four annual Fog Hill ceremonies and each is performed by a different person. Sacred Days Tendeo is the sacred day, the rest day, of Bantuk. It occurs on an average of about every 10 days throughout the year, though there appears to be no definite regularity in its occurrence. The old men of the Tuato of Loengon and Sipak determine when Tendeo shall occur, and it is a day observed by the entire Pueblo. 
The day is publicly announced in the Pueblo the preceding evening. If a person goes to labor in the fields on a sacred day not having heard the announcement, or in disregard of it he is fined for breaking the Sabbath. The old men of each auto discover those who have disobeyed the Pueblo law by working in the field, and they announce the names to the old men of Loengon and Seapot, who promptly take from the lawbreaker firewood or rice or a small chicken to the value of about 10 cents, or the wage of today's, March 3rd. 1903, was 10 a.o. in Bontoc, and I saw 10 persons fined for working. The fines are expended in buying chickens and pigs for the pate ceremonies of the Pueblo. Ceremonials a residence of five months among a primitive people about whom no scientific knowledge existed previously is evidently so scant for a study of ceremonial life that no explanation should be necessary here. However, I wish to say that no claim is made that the following short presentation is complete in fact. I know of several ceremonies by name about which I cannot speak at all with certainty. Time was also insufficient to get accurate translations of all ceremonial occurrences which are here presented. There is great absence of formalism in uttering ceremonies. Scarcely two persons speak exactly the same words, though I believe the purport of each ceremony, as uttered by two people, to be the same. This looseness may be due in part to the absence of a developed cult having the ceremonies in charge from generation to generation. Ceremonies connected with agriculture Pochon This ceremony is performed at the close of the period Pachog, the period when rice seed is put in the germinating beds. It is claimed there is no special oral ceremony for Pochon. The proceeding is as follows. On the first day after the completion of the period Pachog the regular monthly Pate ceremony is held. On the second day the men of Otto Sajikin, in which Otto Luma would resided when he lived in Bantuk, prepare a bunch of runo as large around as a man's thigh, they call this the Chandag, and store it away in the Otto Thali, and outside the Thali set up in the earth twenty or more runo, called Pakaipad the Pugpud of the harvest field, the bunch of runo is for a constant reminder to Luma would to make the young rice stalks grow large. The Pakaipad are to prevent Idril from other Pueblos entering the Thali and thus seeing the efficacious bundle of Runo, during the ceremony of Lislis, at the close of the annual harvest of Pali, both the Chandad and the Pakaipad are destroyed by burning. Chaka on February 10, 1903, the rice having been practically all transplanted in Bantuk, was begun the first of a five-day general ceremony for abundant and good fruitage of the season's Pali. It was at the close of the period I know now. The ceremony of the first day is called Selak. Each group of kin all descendants of one man or woman who has no living ascendants kills a large hog and makes a feast. This day is said to be passed without oral ceremony. The ceremony of the second day was a double one. The first was called W.A. Lit and the second Mang Mang. From about 9.30 until 11 in the forenoon a person from each family usually a woman passed slowly up the steep mountainside immediately west of Bantuk. These people went singly and in groups of two to four, following trails to points on the mountain's crest. Each woman carried a small earthen pot in which was a piece of pork covered with basi. Each also carried a chicken in an open work basket, while tucked into the basket was a round stick about 14 inches long and half an inch in diameter. This stick, low low, is kept in the family from generation to generation. When the crest of the mountain was reached, each person in turn voiced an invitation to eat.